is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. But smile runs regularly through the year, so well done for those of you who are involved. It's great to, to have you involved in it. Uh, it looks like the youth have gone. So I was about to say they're going to go, but they've headed out already. So Adam looks like he's about to follow them, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, one other thing to mention uh, to you is just about next weekend. You'll have heard me, if you've been here recently, talking about uh, next weekend's. We need to buy a new stand before next weekend. This is before it completely falls apart. And um, before we open God's Word together, I want us to do that in a second. I want us just to mention about next weekend. So I do believe next weekend is going to be a significant event for us in the life of the church. Before Christmas, Sarah and I felt stirred again to seek God for His presence and to be praying for that and a praying for a greater encounter with the Lord. And I, I, we believe God put in us a fresh passion for that uh, as we met some friends who'd encountered God in a fresh way recently. Um, God stirred us with that. And at the beginning of the year, you'll know that we uh, spent a week praying and fasting as a church and asking God for more of his presence. We became aware of all that God was doing uh, at a church in Horsham, uh, uh, down in Sussex, and uh, we've invited uh, Andy Robinson, who leads that church, to come and to serve us and to be with us and to help encourage us in these things. And uh, Andy and his team uh, are going to be uh, coming next weekend uh, to do just that. They've seen a great move of God in their church over the last year or two, a uh, fantastic sense of God's presence, many healings. Many people responding to Christ. And I thought it would be good for us to hear some stories about what God is doing in our nation, not just in a far-fung place, not just in another day and age, but today, now. And uh, I thought that would stir us and encourage us. And um, it's great that God has been meeting with us recently, particularly this year, with a sense of freedom and his presence in worship. But, friends... You know what, I don't think we're where we could be yet. Because I think God has got more for us. Wouldn't you agree? I don't think we've reached a destination. It's like we're on a journey, but we're not there yet. On a journey, my kids say to me often, are we nearly there yet, Dad? It's that cry of small children in the car, isn't it? Along with, I feel sick, but it's sort of interspersed. And it's, are we nearly there yet? Well, I think we're making some progress on this journey. I think it's great. I'm so excited about what God is doing in Jubilee. But listen, we're not there yet. I believe God has got more for us. And I do believe next weekend is going to be a significant moment in the history of Jubilee Church Derby. I feel God has got some things for us next weekend. So listen, if you haven't yet confirmed your plans for next weekend, let me help you. Let me give you some suggestions that may help uh, in that. We're running two meetings over next weekend. We're running a Saturday evening and a Sunday morning. In fact, Saturday afternoon, uh, we're gathering our, our leaders together to meet with Andy and some of his team that are coming. By Saturday evening at seven o'clock at Little Over Methodist Church uh, in Little Over, 
Uh, we're running a meeting for anybody that wants to come. We're going to worship God and he's going to speak and uh, we're going to pray together. And then again on Sunday morning, uh, he'll be with us as well. Andy is taking this really seriously. He's bringing seven others from his church with him next weekend. So eight of their, their key people are coming to be with us for a weekend. So it's not just like having a visiting preacher on a Sunday. We do that sometimes, and that's great. We, we so benefit from others coming in and speaking to us and bringing God's word to us. This is more than that. It really is. There's eight of their key people coming from their church to serve us and to be with us, to help us on the journey that God has got for us. And so I want to encourage you, friends, to be here next weekend, Saturday evening, and, uh, and Sunday morning, and please be praying. Please come, please be praying, be open to what God wants to do in you, and indeed in us as a family together. Because I think God wants to do some things next weekend. I know he wants to do things every weekend, before some of you correct me, I know that. But listen, particularly next weekend, I think God's got some things for us. So I want to encourage us with that. Uh, please be praying, and please come expectant. Please come expectant, looking forward to all that God's going to do. Does that sound good? Looking forward to it. So looking forward to seeing you guys 7 o'clock Saturday evening at Little Over Methodist and then here on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. So let's get into, uh, into God's Word this morning. For a while, little while, I've had on my preaching calendar and notes, I wanted to speak about healing this morning. And normally I'd go straight to a New Testament passage about Jesus healing. That would be naturally where we would probably go to, to look at this particular subject. There's, there's lots of examples to choose from in the Gospels of Jesus healing people. They're all over the place. You could always pick up any page in the Gospel and you'll find Jesus healing somebody. But just in the last a couple of weeks, I felt to preach from an Old Testament passage. And so if you've got a Bible with you, could you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5, please? 2 Kings chapter 5. And I felt that we should look at this story of a guy called Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. And what I want us to do is to look at the main characters and see what God has for us as we do that. But before we do that, let's... Um, Let's read the passage together, or read some of it together at least. 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll start reading at verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, or in your version it might say the king of Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aaron had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. 
As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent in this message. Why have you torn your robes? Make that man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abner and Fapa, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Wonderful story of God's healing there. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your words. We thank you for speaking to us already this morning. And we pray in these few moments that we look at this passage together, would, would you come and teach us? Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? Help us to understand what we've read. Apply it to our lives. And be in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're told that Naaman is a commander in the army, the army of Aram or Syria. And there appears to be what you might describe as an uneasy truce between these two peoples, between Israel and this nation. And you can see it's uneasy because in verse 7 there, the king of Israel assumes that the king of Syria is trying to pick a fight with him, trying to pick a quarrel, trying to wind him up so they might have a battle together. But there is sufficient peace to enable Naaman to travel safely and this is where we really pick up the story. And with Naaman, we, we find here, let's consider him first because he's at the very center of this. The story is about what happens to him because we have a senior official in the army of one of Israel's enemies. This is not their friends, <laughs> one of their enemies that they would pick fights with every now and then. And we're told that he was a great man in the sight of his master. He was important. He was highly regarded. People would have known who he was. People would have known about Naaman. And God had granted him victory in battle. He was successful. He was a successful leader in the army there. But although he's a successful leader, although he's an important commander, although he does well in battle, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. He has leprosy. Now, the words in the original text that's used can actually describe a whole range of skin diseases, but it's clear that whatever it was, was pretty serious. And leprosy was a particularly unpleasant disease. And so Naaman is unwell with it. 
But it's interesting, isn't it? We have someone here who actually isn't in the people of God. He's not in, in Israel. He's actually far from God. Yet God showed him mercy. Even though he was part of another nation, even though he was far from God, God showed him mercy and grace in healing him. We see it there, don't we? And friends, this morning, maybe you would describe yourself as far from God. Maybe you'd say, you know, but I'm not part of, it seems, God's family. Listen, this morning, maybe God wants to show mercy and grace to you, just as he showed to Naaman. You might have come thinking, oh, but I'm not part of this people of God. I'm, I'm not even sure quite what I believe. I'm not even sure Naaman was quite sure of what he believed. <laughs> but God showed him mercy. He showed him grace. He was good to him. And maybe this morning God wants to show you mercy and grace and be good to you. We're talking about healing this morning. And as we do that, we're talking about miracles. But the greatest miracle is the one that Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen? I saw on my, uh, on my Facebook feed this morning as I was just scanning it through, a friend had posted a video of uh, the evangelist, J. John. And he was talking about why it is that he's a Christian and how he can be sure about it. And he described it like this. And I, I, I won't pretend to do an impersonation of him because he could do far, far better than me. But J. John talks about it being like you go on a journey and you might be on this road and the road forks off in two different directions. There are two people there lying on the floor. One's dead, one's alive. Who are you going to ask for directions? So one's alive, isn't it? And it's saying, Jesus is alive. That is actually the greatest miracle. That is the greatest healing that we ever see in Scripture. Jesus was raised from the dead. And because of that, because of his death and resurrection, we can talk about God being good and his grace and his mercy because of what Jesus has done. He's made it possible for us this morning, friends. I could spend all the time talking about that. We'd never get to Naaman. But it's true, isn't it? We talk about healing. We're going to look at Naaman in a second. We might look at other passages in the New Testament you might know about. But listen, the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, and we can be certain of it, we can be sure of our faith and sure that we serve and love a God who is good and merciful. And he's being good and merciful to Naaman here. But let's think for a moment about this young servant girl. We're told in verse 2, you'll see it there if you still get your, your Bible open, that the bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. This is just a, a youngster. Not some great experienced teacher. Or not even someone who's lived life for a long time and has got a lot of experience under her belt and knows a few things. It's a youngster. It's a kid. It's a young girl. Think about it. She's young. She's away from her home. She's in a foreign land. She's been taken there by force. She probably doesn't want to be there. She probably wants to go home to be with her family and friends. And yet, even so, there is seemingly a care that she has for her boss and his family. And what's more, 
Not only did she have a care for Naaman and his wife and clearly their family, but she speaks up. She says something. She says what she knows. God, you see, used this young girl. Young, away from home, not in her normal place or surroundings. Probably quite distressed still, maybe. But God uses her. This young, unnamed girl knew about Elisha. And she'd heard of this prophet and was confident if Naaman saw him, that he would be healed. She says, just go to this place, go to this prophet. Now, her theology wasn't all lined up and correct. Because actually what she says is, if, if our master would see the prophet, he would cure him of his leprosy. She doesn't say there, if he, see, if he sees the prophet, then God will heal him. She hasn't probably got all her theology completely straight. She certainly hasn't been to Bible college. <laughs> Maybe she didn't know all the scriptures that others would have known. But that doesn't matter. Because God uses her because she says what she knows. Think about it for a moment. You could say what you know. You might not have all your theology straight. You might not think you know all the answers. You might not think you're able to uh, articulate all the finer points of your faith. That shouldn't stop you from speaking up, for saying what you know. She said what she knew. And because of that, God was able to work a miracle. You see, your experience of Jesus is just what people want to hear. Regardless of whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years. What did we hear the other week, Charlotte? Was it 70 years? It's wonderful. It doesn't matter. Actually, God wants you to say what you know. To speak about your experience of Jesus. You don't need to have it all sorted. You just need to speak up. I'm not saying it's not good to know more. It is. And it's a good thing to study and to learn. But you don't have to have it all sorted to speak up. She was not in her home country. She was not where she wanted to be. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe you think, oh, maybe your job is not where you want to be. You think, oh, you, can't, you just can't stand going in every Monday morning. You think, I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. God can still use you in that place if you let him, if you allow him to, if you speak up, just like he used this little girl. And so we get to read about Elisha. Now, Elisha is God's prophet in the nation. He is God's man of power for the hour. My friend Jules would put it. Yeah. Those of you in a Pentecostal background can say amen at that, okay? So here you've got Elisha, God's man of power for the hour. <laughs> and we can read accounts like this. And we can think, oh, wow, Elisha, what a mighty man of God. And yes, he was. But he was just ordinary. Scripture says of Elisha's predecessor, Elijah... That he was a man with a nature like ours. He was just normal. He was ordinary. Yet Elijah prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it didn't rain on the earth. Elijah and Elisha and other biblical heroes, friends, the men and women we read about in Scripture. Do you know what? They're just ordinary people. 
They're not some superhero that we can look at and think, wow, I can never be like that. No. They were ordinary men and women. Elisha was no different. He was an ordinary man who served an extraordinary God. And this is where we make the link to talking about healing today. It's important we see it, friends. Elijah and Elisha both operated under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that God gave. You know what? So did Jesus. So did Jesus. We can look at Scripture, we can look at the Gospels and think, oh wow, Jesus got to heal all these people because he's the Son of God. But you know, he gave up so much of his divinity as he came to earth, he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 5, verse 17, says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Now, the power of the Lord can be with you and I as well. Elijah and Elisha operated under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus operated under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you and I can too operate under the anointing of God's power, the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4, we're told that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's how he operated. And you and I can do the same as we look to the Lord and follow him and obedient to him. Let's go back to Naaman again. We need to finish the story with him, really. And so once he finds Elisha, once he realizes that it's not the king of Israel who's going to help here, <laughs> once he finds Elisha, Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him. I think he's a bit grumpy at this, isn't he? He doesn't even, he's traveled, he's, you know, come to see the guy. He doesn't even come down. He just sends his messenger, sends Naaman a message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and you'll be cleansed. Naaman doesn't like this idea. Clearly grumpy that Elisha didn't come and see him personally. Doesn't like the idea of washing in the River Jordan and goes off in a rage. And it's one of his servants that comes to him and say, but master, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done that? And Naaman says, yeah, okay. And so his obedience even though he has other rivers at home, probably nicer, probably cleaner, maybe warmer, who knows? <laughs> That's not the point. The point here is he needs to be obedient to what God has said through his prophet. Imagine Naaman going through it. Imagine how it would have been for him. He gets down once, dips in the river, comes up, nothing. Does it again a second time, comes up. Nothing. Three, four, five, six times he dips himself in a river. Nothing. You know, he could have bailed at any moment. He could have said at any point, this is not working. I give up. It's all wrong. It's all nonsense. I don't believe what he said. But he didn't. He persevered and pressed through. He keeps going. And seven times he gets down. The seventh time he comes up, he's healed. God has healed him. 
It's amazing, isn't it? It's a wonderful story of God breaking through mercy and power upon his life. So what do we learn here? Is this a new method to be healed? Is this a new book and a DVD set to go on sale? Is this a new sort of TV channel on cable telly? You know, how to get your healing in seven dips in the River Derwent? Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it, really? No, no, no. The point is not that. The point is that he was obedient to what God had said. And in doing that, he got his healing. It's not about the method, friends. It's about his obedience. It's about him trusting God and being obedient. If God says through his prophet seven times in the Jordan, then that's it. Seven times in the Jordan. If God says something else, then that's it. If he says speak to the condition, then then that's it. There isn't a one-size-fits-all method of healing that we find in Scripture. Different things happen on different occasions to different people. Even Jesus sometimes spoke to a sickness, sometimes stuck mud on people or spit, or just commanded them to get up and walk. Different things, different people, different times. The issue is not the method. The issue is obedience to the Father, to what the Lord has said. So what about us? Well, the reason that I wanted to talk about healing this morning is that I believe God has got more for us in this area. I believe it's an area for us to grow in as a church. I think there are some challenges ahead. It's a question of faith and persevering and, and pushing through. On another occasion, we'll look at some of the healing miracles in the New Testament. That's not for this morning. But let me just remind you of Jesus' instruction to his disciples. It's in Luke chapter 9. It says this in verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. You see, the power and authority for this comes from the Father, comes from God himself. We are to simply be obedient to what the Lord has said. Simple as that. It's to see what the Father is doing and to join in. It's to say, Lord, what are you doing here? What do you want us to do? How should we respond here? How do we pray here? What do you want to do? To see what the Father is doing and, and be obedient to it. You see, this subject is not unconnected with our recent focus on the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. It's not unconnected with next weekend that we've talked about already because I do believe that God wants us to see a greater breakthrough in the area of healing. Amen, indeed. And personally, I'm praying for that. I guess many of you are too. There's certainly faith involved in the mix as well, isn't there? In our story today, it wasn't so much the faith of Naaman, but rather of Elisha. Many of the New Testament accounts of healing talk about faith. Jesus talks about faith. Clearly, we are to grow in faith. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to do. Jesus described faith as small as a mustard seed, as incredibly powerful. 
It's a tiny seed. It's tiny. But even that, Jesus said, was mountain-moving faith. Let's begin to wrap up. Let's draw this to a conclusion. Perhaps the band can start to come up, please. In the passage we've looked at today, we've had a commander in an enemy army healed by the Lord. You see, you and I were once enemies of God. We were once enemies of God. We were far from him. But now, Scripture says that we have been reconciled to him through Christ. We have been reconciled to the Lord through Christ. And Jesus' instruction to his disciples there and to us this morning and to every person who follows him today is the same. It's to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. That's what Jesus said. It's very clear. Preach the gospel, of the, the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick. Teaching people to obey everything that he said. And so my question for us is this. Are we being obedient to Jesus' commands in this area and indeed in others? You see, the little girl in the story was not in her ideal place. She didn't know all the answers, yet she spoke up and God showed up. She spoke up and God showed up. I feel that some of, for some of us today, it's time to speak up so that God can show up. I believe that's God's challenge to us prophetically. I believe God would say to us, speak up so that I can show up. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I want us to pray. And... Um, I was out for a walk this morning, praying, asking the Lord about today, what he wanted to do, and what it was that he would want us to, to look at. Thinking about this message I prepared, and asking the Lord what else he wanted to do, and felt that we should pray for healing this morning. And uh, there were uh, a few things that I felt God would want us to, to pray for. The first thing is this, and we're going to pray in a moment, we're going to I'm going to give you these things and I'll pray and then you can respond. But I felt for some of us here this morning that God wanted us to respond for faith to speak up so that he can show up. And maybe for some of you before, you felt that you've spoken up, but it didn't quite work out. Maybe you didn't quite see what you'd hoped you would see. I feel this morning God would want to restore faith to you, that as you speak up, he would show up. And then too, um, I felt that God wanted to do some work in people's lives this morning. And uh, there were three things that I felt God speak to me about. And uh, if this is you, then I feel that God wanted want to come to you this morning and meet you. And there are three conditions that I felt uh, God put on my heart. The first one was somebody with a knee problem. The second was someone with an ankle pain, ankle problem. And the third one, I felt the, the phrase God gave me was heart condition. And it may be like angina, is that, that sort of thing. And if, if that's you, if you've got any of those things, maybe you've got all three, I don't know. 
Uh, I feel God wants to, to meet you and touch you this morning. And I was to pray for him to heal you. If that's any of you, could you just raise your hands? It would be helpful. Yeah, well, okay, a few there. Okay, a few. Well, lots. <laughs> okay. I'd love us to pray for you guys, okay? And uh, I'm going to pray in a second. Caroline's going to lead us in a song. If that's you, can I ask, as, as we sing, could you come to the front? And uh, we're going to pray. And I believe God wants to meet you. We've talked this morning about healing. We've talked about speaking up so that God can show up. My temptation at this point is to go, hey, we're out of time. God bless you. Have a great week. (laughs) But I think that's not what God wants to do. I think God wants to bring some healing to people this morning and bring some faith and some restoration and some reconciliation to him. But he wants to heal. Why else would God speak to me about these things if he didn't want to do something? I believe God wants to touch many of you this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who heals. We thank you, Jesus, that you are still in the healing business. We thank you that you are alive. And we worship an alive God. And so we pray now, Lord God, as we pray for our dear friends with these conditions and maybe others, we pray, God, would you come and would you bring healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sunday morning.